You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Hey, what's up? My name is Sean Seguin, and I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge. Thank you so much for joining us, wherever you're at, whether you are in your living room right now or you're carrying your phone you know, around the house or, or whether you're driving somewhere, thank you for, for joining us in this digital gathering. This is, uh, it's a great uh, honor that you would do that and that you would join us. And so if this is, if this is your first time here or you don't really know much about us, we're a small church plant that's getting ourselves going and hoping to launch as, as restrictions uh, you know, co- go back a bit, uh, do, dealing with COVID and social distanc- distancing and all that. And so uh, really, thank you again for joining us today. If, if you are new here, go ahead and fill out the uh, connection card. Uh, it's a digital connection card. You can go to the link in the description and, and do that. Um, and those of you who are part of the launch team, thank you for coming back week in and week out, you know, over and over. Uh, we know that it's difficult sometimes with the kids running around and all that stuff. So thank you for for joining us. I love you. I miss you guys. Uh, love you, fam. And uh, so just so excited as we continue in this, uh, this, uh, these like standalone sermons. Last week, Josh actually preached on unity in Ephesians. And, and there was so much great information there. There was actually one point he made, though. He's talking about uh, humility as uh, uh, this like selflessness, as this building block uh, to unity. And so this week, I'll, I will actually be talking about that building block uh, specifically. We're going to be diving into the selflessness, the humility of Christ. But before we do that, I want to, I want to uh, start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you uh, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for calling us into uh, to, to follow your word and to follow your example of humility, uh, of of selflessness. Teach us to be selfless as you are selfless. Teach us to live as you, as you lived here on this earth and as you call us to live uh, forever. So thank you, God, for the example. Uh, I pray that we would be changed by your word. I pray that you would breathe on people's hearts as they, as they receive this sermon and you would breathe on, upon my, my words as I speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I don't know if, if any of you are like, fans of of SNL. Um, I'm a a big fan of one specific character. Her name is Penelope. Uh, This is a while back, back when Kristen Wiig was part of the crew, um, and she had this character named Penelope. She was famous for, uh, like, one-upping people at a party, and and I, you know, I, you think about this. This is like something all of us know. Someone like Penelope, that that like no matter what you say, they have to join in the conversation because the conversation has to be about them somehow, and they always have to show how they have done something slightly better than what you've done. And this is what her character does over and over and over. One of my favorite examples of this was actually one of the uh, skits they did where she was in a defensive driving class, and uh, Kenan Thompson has his character like stands up and he shares. They're they're asking them to share their stories and and he's like well you know i i got a speeding ticket because i did this you know thing whatever and as soon as he said he has this speeding ticket penelope like pops up out of nowhere and and she's like well actually i have 99 speeding tickets and and actually i uh, went so fast i broke the sound barrier and i actually went so fast i went into the future and i already took this class and like it's this absolute ridiculous scene and the reality is that that 
we don't do it that ridiculously, but honestly, if you're honest, like all of us have, have found ourselves trying to enter into conversations and, and when you see someone getting attention, like we could be that person who like is like, oh yeah, I've done that too, I've done that too. Like we want people to know. And, and even if maybe you haven't done that, you know someone who's like that, like for real, we've all known someone who had to just jump in there and share how they were just, they've done something a little bit better or whatever. And it, and it gets absolutely ridiculous with Penelope, but we've all been there. And, and whether we do that or not, like there's this reality that all of us, when someone, when we're in a conversation with someone else, I know that for sure I do this. Uh, I can be thinking about the next thing I wanna talk about, ready to interrupt what that person has to say. It's this like self-centered perspective that's like, whatever you're saying, yeah, 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 that's great, let me nod my head and do the right things because cause sure, what you're saying is important, but I got this thing that I wanna tell you and we need, I'm about to change the whole di- direction of this conversation. A- and we can find ourselves in this like selfish, self-centered uh, perspective. I mean, it, it, it goes across across the board throughout our our culture, especially with social media, with with Instagram, you know, with with, uh, Facebook, we find ourselves constantly thinking about ourselves posting about ourselves, hoping that people like what we post. Like it's this, there's this constant like focus on self and self-centeredness. And the reality is we need uh, a text like Philippians 2 to teach us to get our eyes off of ourselves, to stop being like Penelope, to stop worrying about what I want to say next and focus in on what we're com- having a conversation about with what the other person is concerned with, that we would turn our eyes from self and self-centeredness to selflessness. And actually, the title of the sermon today is Selfless, Selfless. And what I see here in, in Philippians 2, 1 through uh, 11 is these, these three things that, that Paul dives into. To, have, uh, to think selflessly, to live selflessly, and to receive selflessly. To think selflessly, live selflessly, and receive selflessly. These are my points for today. Um, and we're going we're gonna to go ahead and just dive in, uh, in verses 1 through 4. Think selflessly. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Think selflessly. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete. By thinking the same way, having the same love, united in in spirit, intent on one purpose, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. I love how, how Paul starts this off with, make my joy complete. He's, he's diving into this reality that his joy is, is made complete in how well they do at this. And in fact, he's telling them, you've got everything you need for this. He starts off with that. If you, have, you know, if you have any encouragement in Christ, of course they've got encouragement in Christ. You know, If you have any uh, consolation of love, of course they've, they've been given the love of God. If, if you've got any affection and mercy, they've got all of these things. This is, a, this is more of like, a, a, like hey, if, if, you're, if you're listening, say amen. You know, like there's a reality that, that Paul is going like, look, you have all of these things and it brings joy to me, you know, brings joy to Paul. And he's saying, you know what? Make my joy complete by thinking selflessly, by thinking selflessly. And he dives into all these different things, thinking the same way, 
having the same love, united in the spirit, intent on one purpose. And, and it's all wrapped up in this idea of considering others as more important than yourselves. If you could do that, all of these things would be way easier. It's what you consider. It's the way you think. The way you consider other people will change the way you interact with them. And so when he's talking about thinking selflessly, it's, it's really bound up in this idea of thinking this way. And his, I love that his joy is made complete in this. This is such a, a per, parental and selfless picture of, of Paul's love and joy. Man, I, I think about that with, with uh, my kids. Man, when I... Um, when, when Miat helps Gideon to pick up his toys so he doesn't get in trouble, uh, that's my oldest and then my second. And then when Gideon actually gets excited for Miat when something good happens for her, and even if he doesn't get to be a part of it, like he gets excited for her. And then my youngest, Juniper, whenever the other two are crying or sad, she'll go up to them and she'll rub their back. She's like not even two years old yet. She goes up and she rubs their back and she says, are you okay, are you okay? This makes my heart so happy to be able to look at my children and see them doing these selfless acts and to live that way, it makes me so happy. And so here Paul is saying, make my joy complete and, and think selflessly. Stop thinking about yourself and think about others. Even Paul's joy in this picture right here is a selfless joy. I, I love the way he, he, he describes this. It's so, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful to imagine. Whether you have children or, or whether you're like a parent in the faith, if you're discipling some right now, you should understand that feeling of like when they succeed, when they, when they really start to develop that healthy character for their lives. Man, that's exciting and it should bring you joy. I think all of us should understand that selfless experience. And... And so he tells them, though, he says to, to consider others as more important than yourselves. Now, this isn't like a, a like self-deprecating thing, like I'm just a worthless piece of trash and everybody else is great, you know? Like, we're not talking about something like that. Paul, is, Paul, is, uh, Paul has an understanding of humanity. He has an anthropology that teaches him that huma- humans are worthy and valuable and, and of, of love and respect and honor and even reverence, the idea in Genesis 1 where it talks about the image of God, being in, made in the image of God, this is a term that was always referred to in the ancient Near East about kings, about rulers. The idea was they deserved reverence. They were made in the image of God. They're supposed to be representatives of the true king or the true God that they were, that they were uh, representing. And what they would do is uh, they would be called this image bearer. And so when Adam and Eve are called the made in the image of God, and then all humanity from that from then forward is made in the image of God. This idea is this person is intended to rule and subdue this earth, to be a part of caring for creation in such a way that they deserve reverence. And so when he says, consider others as more important than yourselves, he's saying, look, get your eyes off yourself. When you start lifting yourself up as a king above others, there's a problem. But when you start to look at others and you say, man, that's a fellow image bearer. That's a fellow, like a co-ruler. This is a person who's intended to to walk this thing out and and to help bring about the will of the true king. Man, we should have reverence for our fellow image bearers. 
And this is actually this idea of being an image bearer, this idea of lifting up as others, others as more important than ourselves. This is like the basis for the social justice that we should look for, uh, at others and see if they are, if they, if those in the society who are, are considered lowly or down low, we should go, no, 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 that person deserves honor and reverence. And that person who's up high, we need to remember like, they're, they're a fellow image bearer as well, but they're no greater than anyone else. God has, given, uh, God has given us this calling to be this image bearer, and so we need to lift up everybody and say, hey, I, I respect and I have reverence for you as a human and a fellow image bearer, another ruler who I get to rule alongside with. And so we recognize that in them. We lift them up, and it helps us to stop focusing on ourselves. In the same way that, that like me as a parent or as a person who's discipling another person, when we see that other person doing well, and we don't have to find a way to, to you know, Penelope the situation to go like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Wow, you really overcame that situation. You know, I overcame this situation the other day. We don't have to be like that. We can look at them, and we can consider them as, as, as you know, valuable and important and, and be excited for their win and not have to turn it around and look at how we have done well or how we have fallen short. We can look at others and be selfless. That's what happens when our thinking becomes selfless. Paul wants us to see this reverence due to all fellow image bearers. Man, and I wanna, I wanna say, I think one way to help shape that, this week may be something you could do. One way to help shape your ability to think selflessly it, it would is is to simply start recognizing things that could be encouraged in other people like recognize the good in someone else and just tell them encourage them say man i see this in you i see how you are humble i see how you are kind i see how you have been gentle when people are harsh with you you know i've seen the way you interact with people online and you're you have such grace when you do it like being able to recognize the good in other people is a helpful way to just turn our attention from ourselves and stop thinking about ourselves and consider others as these as lifted up and 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 to be able to honor them and and get our again it's just getting our eyes off ourselves so i would encourage you to encourage somebody else this week tell recognize the good in them but again, let me be clear, this isn't just about becoming doormats for Jesus or something like that. You also, you are a fellow image bearer. You also are called to be a ruler. Man, like, we see this, uh, we see that we all have this calling. It's not just about becoming pieces of trash. We're all valuable. And the idea is for you to look at others and consider them great. And they will also look to you and go, man, that person is great as well. And I see the calling in their life. And they should be encouraging you as well. This, as we do this, like continually considering one another that way, we can begin to see like a healthy relationships develop and, and see like health begin to grow and that unity, unity that we seek to grow. Man, in fact, um, I, I think it's important not just to think selflessly like we mentioned, but the second thing is that we are called uh, to live selflessly as well. Live selflessly. Verses uh, five through eight says this. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death, even to death on a cross. 
Paul starts out with this, adopt the same attitude as Christ. Look at the example that was set by the king of kings. Look at the example that was set by, by that, the true, the very image of God, the firstborn of all creation. Like, look at that example and see how he lived it out. And the example that he sets is so vastly different than other rulers in the ancient world that they were looking around at. When the Philippian church thought about the way that, that, uh, that, that rulers ruled and the way that humanity you know, exists and the kind of respect they deserve, like it would be difficult for them to not see the social hierarchy and find themselves comparing themselves to one another. But, but in fact, he says, look at Christ who is the highest of the high, you know, and, and he lowers himself. He becomes like a servant. And in fact, he does something very opposite from what both Jews and Gentiles and Philippi would, would think of when they think of those who deserve some kind of authority or credit. Man, for the Jews, they would look to Adam. They'd go, man, like this was the first man. This was God's representative here on earth, the very first person here. And yet, what did he do? Instead of emptying himself, instead of saying, you know, I am a human and, and keeping in his place, he wanted to be like God. And he reached for, he grasped for that, that thing that didn't belong to him in order to become more like God. And it led to his death. That connection there, like it clearly seems like Paul is, is making this allusion to Genesis uh, 2 and 3 and this idea of who, who Adam was and how Christ is the opposite of Adam. And yet at the same time for the Philippian church, those who are, are Gentiles also have an example. Uh, Philip II, uh, in, uh, in, who is the, the person who uh, Philippi is named after, who the Philippian church, like their city that they're in, it's named after Philip II. And they, know, they would absolutely know the story of how Philip II died. It's absolutely fascinating. There's a guy named Diodorus of Sicily who wrote this down in like first century BC. And, and Diodorus writes about the death of Philip um, it reminds me so much of Adam's story, but what happens, I, I want to actually read the passage that, that Diodorus writes. It, it's so fascinating. What's happening is, is Philip is putting on this big party uh, for his daughter, this wedding party, and they're having this big celebration. And here's, here's what Diodorus writes. He says, finally, once the drinking party was ended and the beginning of the com competitions fixed for the next day, the crowds rushed to the theater while it was still dark. And at daybreak, the procession was drawn up. Among the splendid accompaniments of the paraded, uh, paraded statues of the 12 gods, extravagantly fashioned with the most magnificent workmanship and wondrously adorned with the, realm, with the gleam of precious metal, along with these, a 13th was carried in procession, a statue fit for a god, one of Philip in person, who was displaying himself as enthroned with the 12 gods. Once the theater had been uh, filled, Philip himself entered, wearing a white cloak. He ordered his bodyguards to follow, removed at some distance from him, as an indication to everyone, uh, as it, or as an indication to everyone that he had no need of protection of guards. When Philip instructed the friends who were escorting him to enter the theater in front of him and the bodyguards were standing somewhat apart, uh, Pausanias, seeing that the king was alone, rushed forward and driving the blow right through the ribs, laid him out prostrate and lifeless. 
this dude like lifts himself up to be like one of the gods, makes a statue. They have their 12 gods that they are parading in, and he's like, let's bring my god, me out as a god. And not only does he do that, he's like, bodyguards, I don't need bodyguards, and immediately he is killed. There is this reality that the same thing, similar thing that's happening with Adam, where he tries to make himself like God, he is ki- it leads to his death. Same thing happens, this hubris, this pride, this, this desire, uh, Philip is brought down. Christ is the opposite of Adam and Philip. He's the antithesis of this. Like he is a king, not one who, he is God in flesh not one who wants to be a God, but God who deserves to be God. And he lays down things. It says that he did not, uh, he, he wasn't trying to grasp onto it. He, he wasn't uh, taking advantage of it or whatever. Like it, it, Christ lays it down, uh, that, that authority, that power, and he says, I'm gonna make myself a servant, make myself in the likeness of humanity. He comes and he lowers himself. There's something opposite happening. Instead of grasping for and trying to cling on to uh, that, that godness, you know, he says, he, he lays it down uh, to go and, and live as a human, as a servant, and to die. There's this reality that, that Jesus, as king of kings, sets this example of living selflessly. And this is so different from Philip from Adam, instead of people who don't deserve to be gods making themselves gods and dying, what happens to Jesus? He doesn't just, he, he lays down his own life. This is the example that we're called to follow, that, that we would take the authority, the power, the, the things that we have in this earth, and we would lay them down so that we can lift others up, so that we can empower others, so that we can see those that are, that are, that are powerless, and we can go, let me lift you up, and, and we can live together. We, I'm going to come to help others in the way that Christ did for me. Man, we're called to be servants, and Jesus is is. This, this idea of like, man, well, what if I'm mistreated? What if I'm, what if I'm you know, pushed to the side? What, and, and I think Josh touched on this last week a bit, that idea of meekness and, and the reality, like there's a bit of like, I, I, I may be mistreated. In fact, people are going to take advantage of you. When you are kind, people will take advantage of you. When you're gentle and loving, people will, people will hurt you. Like that's real. And we all love the idea of being called a servant, but like, the reality of living out what it's like to be a servant. Sometimes you're mistreated as a servant. And, and yet, when you understand what Christ is doing, it's not like he's this like wimp, this powerless person. He doesn't, t- his life isn't taken from him. He's giving his life. There's this power that is for the betterment of others. Like he's lifting others up. Living as a servant will definitely, it will have those times where you will be, you will be treated wrongly. You will be treated like uh, like a bad person treating a a servant like you will be treated wrongly for sure but if you're doing it for that purpose of lifting others up if you're if you're glorifying god in it as you do it man that is that is what we're called to living selflessly but i'd like to be extra clear uh that abuse abuse is something totally different 
It's something where someone in power over you uses that power to, to, uh, to harm you. And in fact, you may feel trapped in the situation. And so I want to take this very seriously. We talk about selflessness and, and lifting others up and being willing to be taken advantage of. It can be, very e- it can be er- easily taken to, to, that we're saying, oh, you know, if you're in a bad situation, if you're being abused, like stay there for the glory of God. And I'm not saying that. I want to be very clear. Do not stay in an abusive situation. Talk to someone, reach out to someone. If you don't know who to talk to, um, I, in fact, right now, I wanna have this up on the screen just for a minute, but um, if you're in a bad situation, I don't know where you're at right now and what you're going through, um, and you're in the middle of abuse, you're struggling with domestic violence, reach out to the National Domestic Violence Hotline, uh, 1-800-799-7233, or log into the hotline.org. Or text love is to one eight six six three three one nine four seven four. I I know that this may seem like an extreme like ad addition to the sermon, but I want to take very seriously that there are really people who really do struggle with these kinds of abuse where they are trapped and in that situation. And so I just want to say to you, get help, uh, get out of that situation. It's not safe. It's not Christ-like to just to 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 allow these abusers to treat you like that. And so uh, you are a fellow image bearer and you deserve better. The reality is, uh, though, for many of us, for the majority of us who are living selflessly and ha- taking advantage of, that's not the same kind of thing. We're not talking about abuse for many of us. Lay down your life. Christ laid down his life to empower others. Outside of these abusive situations, the whole idea is lay down your life for the sake of the gospel. Lift up Christ, lift up others, empower others, and, and be a, you know, a, a fellow image bearer who lifts others up. I think that's the whole point. Live that selfless life that edifies others, that's, about, uh, that's not self-centered, but is others-centered. In fact, seek opportunities this week. I, I want to encourage you to seek opportunities this week to serve someone. Make a sacrifice and serve someone this week. Whether that means like you, you give f- money to someone or you mow someone's lawn or you, uh, you wash someone's car, whatever it might be, find an opportunity to serve someone this week. But Paul isn't just calling the church to think selflessly and live selflessly, but also to receive selflessly, to receive selflessly. Verses 9 through 11. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, even though Jesus is lowering himself, the Father is lifting him up. Jesus is giving to the Father his whole life. And the Father receives that love and that glory in, in an act of selflessness. That Yahweh, yeah, the name of God, Yahweh, it, it says, you know what? The name of Jesus is above every other name. Like this is, this is incredible. Even the Father himself in this like selfless act of like lifting up another. And, and and in the same, in the end of this whole thing, it says that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And then it's like to the glory of God the Father. There's this, this like love that is being laid down. The Father loving the Son, lifting the Son up. The Son laying his life down and lifting up the Father. This this love between the Trinity, uh, the the God the God who is three and one. There's this like inner Trinitarian love, the selflessness that seems to take place. Uh, and and it's 
absolutely beautiful. When I say inner Trinitarian love, that may sound like highly theological and you may be like, oh, what, what exactly do you mean? Well, first of all, the Trinity, God being Trinity, is God is three persons and he's one being. Like he's it, it, the Son, the, the Spirit, and, and the Father are all three God, but there's not three gods, there's one. Like it's absolutely confusing. Uh, we could dive into this for hours, but the whole point I'm making is that even amongst those three the Father is lifting up the Son. The Son is glorifying the Father, the Spirit. There's this like giving of self in order to, to, to be that, like, that ever-flowing love between the two. Like There's this constant giving to one another. This example in the Trinity is absolutely beautiful, and it's something that we can follow ourselves, that when we receive something, we can t- not just take it for ourselves and, and, and you know, bask in the goodness of our own glory, but we can go, this is, for, this is for you, God. That it's not just about us to receive selflessly. In fact, we see uh, humans who follow this example of the Trinity, and, and they selflessly receive in, Revelations, uh, in Revelation 4, 10 through 11. It says, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. They have these crowns that are signs of their authority and they're taking that, that thing that they've been given and they're laying it down at the feet of God. You know, like this is the reality of like everything that I have, every bit of authority, every gift that I have, isn't mine, but I received it. I receive it as an uh, another opportunity to glorify and honor God. And and uh, this there was not just uh, it was just a few years back, 2016 Olympics actually. Uh, Jeff Henderson, there was, he was a long jumper on the on Team USA in Rio, and um, he gives this really beautiful example of like selfless giving, uh, of or selfless receiving. What happened is. 10 years prior to 2016, his mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And, you know, he dedicated himself to being the best at, long, at the long jump. And the whole point was he was like, I want to give my mom this, this gift. I want to honor her. I don't know when she's going to pass. I don't know how long she's going to be around, but I want to do my best to honor her. He makes it into the Olympics, and he actually, uh, when he goes to the Olympics, he tells his mom, I, I'm going to win the gold medal for you. I'm going to bring it home for you. This is, this is going to be for you. And he does. He actually wins the long jump by one centimeter, no joke, one centimeter. Um, and, and this is what he says to reporters. He says, the medal is just for her. She got sick when I was 17, 18 years old. I, I was hard, it was hard for me to, t- to do that and leave her there. Everything I did was for her. It was for God and for her and, and my family. He had this like higher motivation than self. It wasn't like, I'm gonna do this so that I can gain some kind of credit or glory or honor. He goes, he goes into winning the gold for his mom. Man, like what a beautiful picture saying like, I'm gonna work hard because I wanna honor my mom. I'm gonna do this because I wanna honor my mom. Like, and he does all of this and then he does. He actually comes home and he lays the medal on her. He actually, there's this like a little bit more information where he was saying that he like was nervous about giving to her because he didn't want to hurt her. Like it's a pretty big medal, but like she's just like fragile and weak and you see him like giving her this honor. 
there's this, it's just this beautiful picture that when we stop focusing on self, when, we, when receiving something isn't about me, but it's about someone else or something else, all of the sudden, you know, everything that I do becomes this beautiful selfless thing. And what we are really called to do is live everything for the glory of God the Father. This is what Jesus is doing. He's doing all unto God the Father. And we can do the same way. Whether, whether you're working at work or whether you're going to school and taking tests or, or, or whether you're out having a good time, like whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God. And when you do that, all the praise and honor that you receive from doing really well, man, you can just give that back to God as a beautiful gift back to him. This reminds me of this song uh, from Keith Green from a long time ago, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. And he has this line in it. He says, when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown for my reward is giving glory to you. I love that line. We're actually gonna uh, close out this, uh, this time uh, with, with that song, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. Let this be our heart's desire to above all else glorify God, to to uh, think selflessly, to live selflessly, and to receive selflessly. Let's, let's not be like Penelope, you know? Let's not be like Adam. Let's not be like Philip II. Let's follow the example of Christ. I have just uh, a, a few quick application points here that, that you can take with you. Hopefully you do at least something on here. But uh, the first of all is give your full attention in conversations this week. Give your full attention in conversations. That's like one really easy way to, to be a little bit more selfless. If you catch yourself thinking about uh, something that you want to change the subject, stop yourself and actually attempt to ask more questions about whatever the other person is talking about. Dig into their conversation. Be a little bit more selfless. Be a little bit more attentive this week in conversations. Give your full attention in conversations this week. Secondly, build someone else up. Recognize the good in them, encourage them, lift them up, and, and tell them what, what you see in them, the good that you see in them. And lastly, make a sacrifice this week to serve someone else. Uh, stuff I mentioned earlier, like uh, washing someone's car, or giving money to someone, or, or mowing the lawn, or maybe even fasting. Make a sacrifice that, like that to serve God. Just give yourself a, a time to be a little bit less focused on self and more focused on God and others this week. I'm going to close with a word of prayer and then we'll have our, uh, our final song and then I'll come back for the benediction. Father, thank you that you come and you set this example, that you teach us what it's like to be selfless. Thank you that there is this love from the Father to the Son and from the Son to the Father lifting one another up over, uh, through, for all eternity. God, thank you that you are this beautiful example that we can follow. Help us to live that out more and more and more every week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith.